if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Uh, we're starting a new series called Signs of the Times. Now, listen, here's one of the things that I believe as we jump into this, as we look at really what's going on. We're going we're gonna to try and take a little bit more biblical look at what's going on in the current uh, culture as far as, and, and really I say culture, what's going on around the world. Um, we're going to look at, to a certain extent, what's going on in Israel. We're going to look at, at the kind of the Ukraine-Russia issue. We're going to look at, the, honestly, the violence and hatred that we continue to see um, that, that, that is playing out across our country um, as well as around the world. Uh, and we're going to look at it from the biblical perspective. Um, by now, I, I'm sure most of you know, obviously, what's going on in Israel. I mean, um, you kind of have to be, I don't know... Um, a, a, a hermit to a certain extent, disconnected from anything to not have heard uh, what is going on. And, and we're going to unpack a, a lot of those things. So we're going we're gonna to start today in Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to jump around. We're going to look at how the nation of Israel plays um, out according to scripture in the end times. And here's the beauty, and, and at the same time, the reality of what's going on. Like we just sang about God's love uh, we saw as we sang about him reigning and ruling. And I want you to know this, that, that a lot of people I've heard say things like this. Why would Jesus come back? Right? And, and here's what I want you to know. Jesus is coming back because of all the hell that's going on in the world. Like, that's a promise. Like, if you look in Scripture, like, I don't know if you realize this, a third of all of Scripture deals with end times. Prophetic end time stuff. There are over 1,200 references to the end times in the Old Testament. There are over 300 in the New Testament. It ends up being a, a third of all Scripture. So when people say, why do we study the end times? Why worry about the end times? I think there's a reality of what takes place is that we need to know, right? We need to be prepared. I also want to be very clear in this. I'm not an end times freak. Maybe you are. I don't know. All right? And what I mean by that is this. That everything means Jesus is coming back soon. Like in my mind, I'm sitting here going, man, I don't know. Things are kind of lining up. Things look pretty serious. Things look pretty bad. Jesus can come back at any point in time. And I'm at the point now, like, I'm like, fine, come on back. I don't, I, that's going to be amazing. I remember being a teenager and when the pre preacher or pastor would talk about the end times, like, hey, well, hold on, bro. Just wait till I get married. Anybody else at that point? Like, I want to experience life here, bud. Like, hold on. But yet, as I'm, I'm in my state and, and, and my age now, I'm kind of like, Jesus, just come back. Like, like spare us from the, the chaos and the hatred, the violence and the turmoil and things like that. And it's important for us to understand that. So as we jump in today, we're going to look at some signs that Jesus told us would happen, Right? Signs that we could easily sit back and say, hey, we need to be prepared because here's what's going on in the world as a result based upon these signs that Jesus gives us and then also come to a reality or conclusion of this. That the more we understand about the end times, I believe the more passionate and more evangelistic we will be as a church. And here's the reason why. If you knew when Jesus was coming, how would that change your life right now? What would you do differently? Who would you talk to? What would you say? Who would you share the gospel with? Who would you want to know Jesus so that they wouldn't go through the hell that the Bible describes? I hope you get that played out because the, this idea of the signs of the times is literally that. Right? Like that Jesus loved us so much, right? That God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we wouldn't experience life apart from him. So when we have a proper understanding, a proper perspective of the end times and what's going on, then we'll have a proper perspective and a proper view of those who are absent or apart from Jesus. And I believe the church becomes more evangelistic. So listen, right now, we know a lot's going on. Israel's being pressed from all sides currently, north, south, to a certain extent, east and west, not really uh, west for the most part. 
Um, there's unrest in the Middle East. Iran's stepping in into some certain circumstances and situations that they've always been a part of. Ukraine and Russia are at war. China's threatening Taiwan. North Korea's doing their own part. And so you honestly sit back and you can say, are we on the brink? And listen, as a father of a son who turns 18 in a month, who's also considering military, it brings on a new perspective. When you start thinking about things like that, and I'll be honest with you, and I, this is just my rabbit trail. I worry about the United States. And I worry about it more from the perspective of the fact that I'm not sure that we would survive another one. And you may sit back and say, well, that's some pretty negative thoughts. Listen, if you looked at what's going on in our country. So, now more than ever, I believe that there is a concern and an interest. As a matter of fact, um, we were talking through sermon series ideas, and I said, hey, man, I've just felt this laid on my heart for a while. <laughs> no, no sooner than we nailed this down, not joking, we nailed this down in staff meeting, and Saturday Everything broke out in Israel. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, who would have ever thought that this would be that, that issue, that, that struggle? I kind of go back to even when COVID happened, and we had just started our study. We were two weeks into our study on James about trials and, and, and tribulations, right? And I'm like, wow, isn't it amazing how God works things out? And so, really, the reality is this. We, as Christians, have to be vigilant over what's going on. We have to be alert about what's going on. And uh, I, I want to share with you, just to put some ease as we jump into this series, my goal, our goal is not to scare you. However, I believe if God's word scares you into faith, then I believe there's something reality that, in, in reality that God uses for you to understand. So as we were doing this, we were trying to come up with a sermon series title, and this was Chris's idea. Put that up on the screen here. Sorry, we're going to skip to this one. Here was Chris's idea. It was, we're all going to die. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's not really biblical, though. And he's like, yeah, but we're all going to die. And I was like, but it's still not biblical. <laughs> and, and we'll unpack that to a, a certain extent. And like, listen, everybody has their own thoughts, their own ideas, how the end's going to work out. But I want to have a biblical perspective of what goes on. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 14. If you want, stand with me uh, as we read. I'll even stand on one foot and lean on the other. So uh, Matthew 24, starting in verse 1, listen to what he says. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. And he says, do you see all these things? He's talking about the temple, the courtyard, all the things around it, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ, and it will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then... You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of the wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. You can have a seat. You know, as we jump into this, I want you to keep this in, in mind. I want to kind of blare this out. If you were to read, as a matter of fact, I, I was going to bring in 
uh, and I ended up forgetting. I was going to bring in, I'm, I'm a collector of certain things. I have, I, I have had Sports Illustrated magazines, I think from the time I was five, like I've had a subscription to it. Um, and I have tubs downstairs of ones I have kept. As a matter of fact, recently we're cleaning out uh, our room. Uh, we're getting ready to have some remodel stuff done. And I was cleaning out the room and I found them. And I found like Sports Illustrated's from the early 80s with like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I've got them from when Michael Jordan was drafted. I've got them from when Michael Jordan was, uh, you know, and the Bulls had won you know, their first world championship. I've got it when Denver Broncos won their first world championship. Woohoo! Yeah, see, Amory's got me. <laughs> um, I, I have got all of those magazines, but I also have this. I have newspaper headlines, front pages, from key times in the history of the United States. 9-11... Various things. I've even got a newspaper clipping that my mom sent me when I was in the Navy because China was threatening to take out Taiwan while I was in the Navy. We spent 60, I think it was 63 days off the coast of China. This didn't even make world news. This will show you how clueless most of America is with what's going on, usually what's overseas. We sat off the coast of China for 63 days gathering intel. My carrier battle group, the USS Nimitz, along with the USS Independence Carrier Battle Group, 20 ships off the coast of China, 400 miles, as China threatened Taiwan, and I've got a little clip this big that says Nimitz runs in troubled waters. <laughs> that's, that's it. So here's the reality. Headlines speak volumes in the world. As a matter of fact, our, our news and our media have a lot of ideas about what's going on, but if the headline today would when we're talking about the, the ideas of the end times, if the headline for today's sermon was anything, it would probably be this, many misled. That there are people around the world who think that when the end comes, they're going to be okay, apart from Christ. They're going to think that I did everything I had to do to be ready for the end. As a matter of fact, you may be one of those individuals who's got a bunker, who's storing up food, who's thinking all of these things are going to be okay. But I want you to know this, that no matter how prepared you are, no matter what you think you've got prepared or, or you're prepared for, no matter how much water you got stored, how much food you think you're going to have set aside that's, that's made for, for long-term thing, maybe you've been buying stuff online to, to store up, I don't think you understand the reality of what's going to happen. And I don't care how prepared you think you are, you're never prepared enough. Why? Because many are misled to think things about the end that in reality they don't understand. So here's the key idea, the big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. Be alert. That God gives signs of the end and he is coming again. Make no mistake about it, Jesus is coming again. That's a promise. It's a fact it's a known thing. Jesus died on the cross. Nobody can deny the historicity of Jesus. People can deny the fact of whether they think he rose again or not. Jesus was crucified on a cross. Jesus said he would be crucified. Jesus said he would sacrifice. Jesus said he would rise again. All of which we know, based upon eyewitness testimony, did happen. He came back, and guess what? He's going to come again. So if all of that happened, then I want you to know, then that means that the rest is going to take place as well. So what are the signs of the end? What does it mean to be a person who's prepared, who's alert, who's ready? How do I make sure I'm not misled? You know, in the words of um, Ace of Base, I saw the sign, and it opened up my eyes, and I am happy now. Now, I can't say the rest of it because they say living without you. That's not the case. You need Jesus in order to understand the signs. But listen, signs help us out in many ways, right? Like, could you imagine getting around Independence if we had no street signs? I mean, it's already bad enough. 27th Street, 27th Terrace, 27th Court. I got to give directions to my house, and people are like, wait, turn on the second 27th? Yep. Who came up with that? Must have been Satan, because they weren't really wise on the signs. Right? Could you imagine Jesus? Hey, I gave you the sign. Make sure it's not the first 27th, it's the second 27th. 
right? Jesus is clear on what's going on. So listen, without signs, we have confusion, we have chaos, we have despair, people get lost a lot easier. But with signs, when we read signs properly, we have the right directions, we can get to where God wants us to be, and it prepares us for the end. Why? Because it's impending danger. There is danger ahead. But Jesus says, listen, don't be afraid, don't be alarmed, don't be deceived. Here's what you need to do. So here are the signs. We're going to cover these signs in a very quick and orderly fashion as Scripture lays it out here in Matthew chapter 24. Now, it's important to know what's going on. Matthew chapter 24, the disciples have just walked past the temple. Matter of fact, there is some beauty of what takes place at the end of chapter 23 because Jesus is walking along around Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you see blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Jerusalem had the prophets all around. They had all kinds of things going on. Jesus is there. And I want to keep in mind where Jesus was crucified. We're going to keep that in mind and then understand what Jesus begins to communicate here because his disciples ask him this, this question, right? Actually, a couple questions. Number one, when will this happen? Jesus said, I'm going to destroy the temple. Everything on here is going to be destroyed. And they want to know, when's it, when's it going to happen? And then they ask him this, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So Jesus then answers those questions a very simple thing. So here are the signs for you and I to pay attention to as we look at the end times. Number one is this, the deception of counterfeit people. This is what he says in verse four. Watch out that no one what? deceives you. Why? For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. There's the deception of counterfeit people. We live in a time and in a culture and a society that says, listen, deception is huge. We have people who claim to be the Messiah, people who claim to be Jesus. Matter of fact, there are stories that I've watched on CBS and CNN and different things like that where somebody has come along and all of a sudden said, he's the reincarnation. There's a guy out of Texas that has recently held like revivalistic type things that are based upon the cult that he is Jesus, the second coming of Christ. Make no mistake about it, it's a lie. Listen, here's what's crazy. If you look at verses or, or, or look at Matthew chapter 24 in this first part, three times Jesus warns them of deception. Verse 5, verse 11, and verse 24. All of them say, and listen, there are going to be people who claim to be Jesus, who claim to be the Messiah. Don't listen to them. Don't be mis de uh, deceived. Don't be misled. But yet, what do we live? We live in a culture that's misled all the time. If it feels good, it's fine. Let you be the one who dictates and controls your life. If you want to operate a certain way, you operate a certain way. Who are they to tell you what's wrong? When Scripture lays out very clearly, there is no one who comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to me or no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, there is no access to God except through Jesus Christ. That means everything else is wash. And you may sit back and go, well, how can you teach that? Because the Bible teaches it, because Jesus taught it. And you can't hold and say that I love Jesus, and I follow Jesus, and I believe in Jesus, if you're not going to believe what Jesus said about himself. You can't. You can't believe that Jesus is a good teacher, a good prophet, or even the savior of the world if you deny that Jesus says he's the only way. If Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all mankind and said, I am the way, the truth, and life, you cannot deny that. If you deny it, then you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. So Jesus warns of the deception. Listen, throughout history, people have stepped forward claiming to be Christ or representatives of God. That's why we have the cults that we have all around the world. That's why we have the issues. Listen, when we talk about this idea of the second coming, I already brought this up. It's a significant theme in Scripture, so it's important for us to know it. It is a significant doctrine 
in Scripture. And as we jump into that, I already told you that 1,200 times in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the second coming. You want to read about the second coming? Go read Daniel. Read Zechariah. Read Ezekiel. Read Isaiah. Read some of these Bible books that oftentimes in most believers' lives get overlooked. Why? Well, because we don't get it. We don't understand. If you want to start to understand the end times, you have to understand that 1,200 times it's mentioned in the Old Testament, 300 times in the New Testament, a third of the Bible consists of prophecy. Why? Because it reveals God's purpose. Prophecy reveals God's purposes. Jesus didn't just die on the cross and rise again and leave it at that. What does he say he's going to do? I'm going to come back and I'm going to restore or redeem everything. He's going to make all things new. Matter of fact, Revelation chapter 20 and 21 tell us that. Jesus was born. He lived a sinful life. He died on the cross for our sins. Next time he comes, he will come as king of kings and lord of lords. That's what we see in Revelation. So keep this in mind, that deception of counterfeit people. Matter of fact, I'll even say it this way. If you were to jump over just a little bit farther in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 42, it says this, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Here's the deception. If you hear somebody tell you that Jesus is coming back on such and such date and time, do not follow. Do not believe it. Dude, I like, like, like the minute, listen, if I hear that from anybody out of their mouth, I, I'm going to tell you how this is going to respond. Ah, so are you Jesus? And they'll be like, no. Well, I'm like, well, that's funny because Jesus doesn't even know the day he's coming back. Listen, the deception of counterfeit people is huge. And anytime somebody says, I know when Jesus is coming back, they're a liar and the truth is not in them. So keep this in mind. That's sign number one. Pay attention to it. Watch out that no one deceives you, right? Number two is this. Here's the sign. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Did you know that wars have gotten more consistent and constant as we've traveled along history? Like when war first started out, it was kind of small, regional, wasn't as big. But did you know that the wars, matter of fact, since I've been alive, I want you to think about this. Vietnam, Gulf War, I mean, that's not even counting skirmishes and things like that. So we've had Vietnam, Gulf War, uh, then the second Iraq War, Afghanistan. Now we've got this issue with Israel. Israel's been at war multiple times since I've been alive. We've had Iran, which for those of you who don't realize, back in the day, I remember, I remember being six, I believe, in 1981 when the United States went into Libya and bombed Libya. Anybody remember that? I remember listening to the radio because at that point I wanted to be an F-15 pilot in the Air Force, um, Chair Force. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, just joking. Uh, military banter. Um, but I'll never forget, that was, that was when I said, I want to be a pilot. Listen, wars and rumors of wars. We've had wars throughout history, but they are more and more consistent. And listen to what he says. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are what? Not alarmed. Not alarmed. In other words, I'm not worried, I'm not anxious, I'm not on edge. Matter of fact, I would even say it this way, I'm not preparing. And what I mean by that is, oh no, the world's going to end, and I got to prepare for the end, I'm going to have bunkers. And listen, I, I enjoy a good TLC when I get to see the bunkers, like people who buy up the old missile silos. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. No offense, man, I don't want to be alive. Like Chris and I were talking, dude, the end comes, man, I want to be standing on the roof. If nuclear war breaks out, I'm going to be out on the roof like, woo, come and hit me because it's over. You think I want to live with contaminated water, contaminated food? No way. Like, I know who my Redeemer is, and I'm going to be joining him at that point. It's over. But wars and rumors of wars, and listen, nation will rise against nation. As I look at that, I want you to think about it this way. Nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. 
You know what I view that as to a certain extent? Racism will run rampant. And make no mistake about what's going on in Israel. Hamas is dead set on wiping out the nation of Israel. That's what I find ironic about the people who are protesting right now. Listen, I'm all for pro-Palestinian if Palestinians want to operate under the correct guidelines and they want freedom. But every time Israel has offered freedom, the Palestinians balk and reject against it and Hamas rises up. So let me be very clear of what's going on. I make no mistake about it. This is a biblical war of which Satan and his cronies are operating through the power of people in order to isolate and attack the people that God set up from the get-go. Please make no mistake about this. I am not anti-Palestinian. I am anti-terrorist. And I understand that Jesus died on the cross and he's not wanting any to perish, and I would hope and pray that those people will come. But I also want you to understand But there is an evil intent that's working across the world, and it's called Satan. And Satan will do anything he can to destroy any of God's plans and purposes. So when I say that, it shapes. In order to understand what's going on, I have to have, when I study the end times, a proper view of Israel and the rest of the world. When I study the end times, I begin to have a proper view of Israel and the rest of the world. Okay? So make no mistake about it. We have to work toward those things. The rise of nations set on the destruction of Israel and God, God said was going to happen. Read Ezekiel chapter 38. Read Ezekiel chapter 39. Begin to know what's going on with Russia and Ukraine moving in. Begin to remember exactly what happened at the Holocaust with the Nazi Germany, and don't forget what's going on. Like, how do we condemn Nazi Germany and stuff like that, and yet we have a bunch of morons here in the United States who want to deny and say it never existed? Oh, it never happened. You know what that is? That's exactly what 2 Timothy chapter 4 said. People will surround themselves with people who tickle their ears. They won't listen to sound doctrine. They won't listen to right teaching. Matter of fact, we see some are are quick to blame Israel and say it's all on Israel's fault. Listen, this may not be a biblical perspective. The last thing I know is when a bully punches you and you punch a bully back, the bully stops. And all I can say is Israel throughout its history, when they were attacked, always responded. And make no mistake about it, I believe that that's going to lead to an end-time, cataclysmic destruction of many people. Number three is this. Here's sign number three. The groaning of the earth. Look what he says. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Okay? We see the results of nature wreaking havoc on the world. As a matter of fact, for those of you who um, have insurance, which I hope all of you do, Right? specifically house and homeowner insurance, most of you have probably seen an increase in your deductible or an increase, sorry, not just in your deductible, in your, in your rate. I have a, a, a friend that I knew from back when I was in Cheyenne who was an insurance guy down in Texas, and he posted. Did you know that last year, and, and I'm not asking you to feel sorry for an insurance company. I got my own applause, my own problems with insurance, all right? I'm not asking you to feel sorry for insurance companies. Did you know last year is the first year in the history of the insurance industry that they were in the red? In the red. Now, you may go, why is that? Fires, hurricanes, earthquakes, the destruction and chaos of evil people. If you continue to look at what's going on, I don't believe the insurance industry is sustainable, especially when the end times come. I'm going to love to see that, right? End times come. What's the first response? I'll call my insurance company. Got to get my house taken care of. Serious? You think they're going to pay you? Like the end times are coming. Matter of fact, as we look at this, we see the results of nature wreaking havoc. Did you know that a quarter of the soil around the world is sterile now because of overuse? Did you know that we can't keep up with the current rate of population? to the development of agriculture, 
Do you know that the United States government, this is why we complain about genetically modified organisms and all those things. The United States government had to do these things in order to produce stuff quicker. And what what are we suffering as a result from? Cancer, diseases. Do you understand what's going on in the world? Like, I'm not trying to paint a doom or gloom picture. I want you to understand why Jesus is going to come to redeem everything that was is destroyed. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 8, if you were to flip over to Romans chapter 8, I want to remind you very simply of a verse where it says this, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in childbirth or as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Listen, the earth is groaning. Every earthquake, every struggle, it is a failure of what was created originally as a result of sin. So keep this in mind, that the earth is groaning, waiting for the Savior to come back. And I believe wholeheartedly, and this is where I get my biblical perspective on, if you want to call it green energy and everything else. We are to be good stewards. Not going to deny that. Do I believe in global warming? Yeah. And here's why. According to scripture, it says that the earth is going to fail. How's the earth going to fail? Because God set it up that way. And no matter what you and I do, even though we are called to be good stewards, no matter what you and I do, it's not going to change the end. So I do my part part and recycle, but you better believe this. I'm not going to do my part to become a slave to a certain industry that's selling me on a bunch of lies. So the groaning of the earth is huge. When others feel hopeless, we can feel the hope and the truth of Scripture. Why? Because when we study the end time stuff, it offers a confident hope in a hopeless age. So there's number three, the groaning of the earth. Number four, here's the sign. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you noticed in Romans 8 where it said how it was like child pains, the birth of child pains, the earth is eagerly waiting, just like the birth of child pains. Notice Matthew chapter 24, verse 8. And all of these things are the beginning of birth pains. So keep this in mind. Like, my wife was a quick example. For those of you who went through a long, tedious, painful giving birth, you know what I'm talking about with the beginning of birth pains. Like, my wife had Peyton like 20 minutes after, I mean, now that was Peyton, but you know what I'm talking about. What Jesus is saying here is this. All of these things are going to happen. And guess what? That's just the beginning of birth pains. There's still more to come, and it's only going to get worse. And so here's number four. Listen to what he says in verse nine. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted. So here's number four, sign number four, the persecution of committed Christians. Make no mistake about this. I believe that persecution is coming and is going to come like never before in the United States of America. We've already seen the attack by our government in certain ways. As a matter of fact, I've laid this out before, Jackson County, Uh, Jackson County as a whole, which I would say, and I will tell you, you need to vote every Jackson County person out and get new people in. Jackson County as a whole is after us. They are after churches. There's no mistake about that. They were after us during COVID. They are after us still to this day. Every five years, we have to turn in all of our documents to the government, from the government, the state of Missouri, to Jackson County, including, listen to this, including our Constitution and bylaws. Why do you think they want our Constitution and bylaws? Because when they find something they're going to disagree with, they're going to come after us and try and tax us. Jackson County's already making a move for that. They're already trying to tax. Matter of fact, they're taxing churches. There's going to be a legal battle here soon. If you have land that you're not using for church purposes, that's just sitting empty, they want to tax you on it. They want to tax us on it. I want to be very clear. Now, that's not even really persecution. All you have to do is watch what's going on. And when you get a conservative person into a, a government seat, what they ask those people to do. As a matter of fact, if you saw anything, and I'm not saying anything about the, the Republican Democrat, but if you saw the statements about the new Speaker of the House because he's a conservative Christian, you would know the persecution will come. But he, he was considered off his rocker. He's considered way aloof. 
He's considered far right. And if you remember anything about even Mike Pence when he said, I pray and I believe God hears me because God says he tells us he hears our prayers. And what did they say? He's psychologically unfit for office. That's the beginning of persecution within the United States. That's the downfall of the United States as well of what's going to go on. Persecution of committed Christians. Matter of fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so when I tell you this, it's the idea that the more we study the end times, the more we should be passionate about sharing the gospel, the more we should want to stand out and be different, and the more we want to be obedient. Why? Because Jesus says, everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. See, we have a culture today that says, no, do whatever you want, and you could still be a believer. You could still be a follower. You don't have to obey Jesus day in and day out. You can do whatever the heck you want, and then go to him for fire insurance, baloney. That's not what he says at all. A matter of fact, he goes in and he says this in verse 10, right? At that time, many will turn away from the faith, and they will betray and hate each other. Who's he talking about? He's talking about people who claim to be believers. They're going to turn away from the faith in Jesus Christ, and they're going to become evil and hate-filled. They're going to betray brothers and sisters, or people they call brothers and sisters in Christ. So here's the way I view that. There may be somebody here in the room today that when all hell breaks loose, when Jesus decides to come back or the end continues to progress forward, we could be sitting here today and there will be somebody in our church that's going to turn on each other. And you may say, well, that's not me. And I hope and pray it's not. But what does it say? At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And then it says this, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Listen, I want you to know about persecution just a little bit. Persecution continues to rise around the world, including the United States, right? You have to look no further than the smearing of biblically faithful individuals in the workforce, but I want to explain a number of things that have gone on. I read an article yesterday from Christianity Today. They reference Open Doors USA, Voice of the Martyrs. Those are some people who are on track with knowing what's going on around the world as far as persecution. Nigeria and sub-Saharan Africa are the epicenter of the jihadist violence that's taking place around the, United, uh, around the world. Did you know last year that 5,600 people were, kill, were killed for their faith in 2022? 2,100 churches were attacked or closed as a result of these persecutions. 2,100 churches. 5,600 individuals. There are over 360 million Christians who live in nations with high levels of persecution and discrimination. That's one in seven Christians worldwide, including one in five believers in Africa, two in five believers in Asia, and one in 15 believers in Latin America. Persecution is on the rise, and it's only going to continue to get worse and worse. So, When we study the end times, we can understand that when we stand on the truth of the gospel, we will be persecuted. Here's sign number five. Counterfeits will turn away. That's what I just brought up in verse 10. I I, I bring that up just for us to understand, to see what's going on. Number six, false prophets will appear. That's what we saw in verse 11. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many. Listen, G.K. Chesterton said this a long time ago, and you may say, I don't get what's going on. Listen, what G.K. Chesterton says, when men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. Rather, they then become capable of believing in anything. To deny God is to deny God, but then you leave yourself open to say, I believe anything. And that is the world with which we live in today. If you believe it, it must be true when the reality is that's not the case. How I feel does not determine who I am. What I think about myself does not even determine who I am. God determines who I am because God created me in a very specific way. 
So make no mistake about it, the false prophets will appear, and we see them running rampant right now in our society. Matter of fact, if you were to flip over to 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to flip there just real quick to read you a couple things so you can begin to understand what Jesus said, what, what John said. Let me clarify what John said about uh, false prophets and, and uh, things like that uh, rising up. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. How do we determine what's from God and what's not from God? If they acknowledge Jesus has come in the flesh. If they believe that Jesus was God's son, if they believe how Jesus lines up with what is taught in scripture. Listen, we have a rise of cults around the world. As a matter of fact, I, I love to debate one uh, set of cult. Uh, or, well, I, I like to debate a couple of them, but um, I want you to know this. I had some Jehovah's Witness. Like, like, like here's the bad teaching for Jehovah's Witness. You know, when, when Jehovah's Witness uh, first came out, they said, 144,000 were only going to be the ones who inherited, which they believe is them. The bad thing is, it's a bad scripture. Because what you see is the 144,000 are Jewish individuals. They're Israel. So Jehovah's Witness, you're out, number one. But then Jehovah's Witness decided, well, hey, that, that, that doesn't match up because we have more than 144,000 now in our cult. So we're going to change it to only the best 144,000 get into heaven and the rest inherit the earth. Of which then, when I've had Jehovah's Witness knock on my door, we have a number of conversations. We talk about the gospel and things like that. But when I know I can't change them, I'll say, so tell me this. The Bible says that when Jesus comes back, he's going to establish a new heaven and new earth. That means what you have been told you will inherit is going to be wiped out. So where does that leave you? And I'm not joking every time. You know what happens? Come on, we got to leave. You want to know why? Because it's false. You want to know why? Because they limited it. And what you see in cults is cults always change things. It's a common ploy of cults to do bad teaching and then change things as things go. Why? Because they've been caught in their own lie. They've been caught in falsehood. There is no truth. Why? Because they denied Jesus. So false prophets will appear. Those are things that play out. Number seven, the increase of evil and wickedness. As a result of the increase of evil and wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And church, let me be very clear on this. We have to guard our hearts and allow Jesus to change our minds and guard our hearts as well. Because listen, I believe some of the most hate-filled people oftentimes are sitting in our church. Why? Because we look at the evil and we don't have compassion, like Jesus said, because they're helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. We look and we say they're just evil and we want nothing to do with them. Please make no mistake. The Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That I do believe that unbelievers have evil intents and things like that because they're controlled and they're operated and they're run and they're influenced by satanic events. But it is the role of the church to be loving, to be grace-filled, and to point people to Jesus at all costs. All costs. Why? Because that's exactly what we have to do. Why? Because the increase, because of the increase of the wicked, the, the wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. If you were to flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, as a matter of fact, uh, we've read those in the past. I want to just kind of remind you of some of these things, but listen to what he says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brooder, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Now, he's talking about believers. He's not saying don't relate to lost people. 
stand on the truth of the gospel. You don't have to do what everybody does, but love people with the love of Jesus. Point people to Jesus. Why? Because the increase of evil and wickedness across our world, the love of most is going to grow cold. And I see it play part in even my own life at times. I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, I don't trust people. Like, my head's on, maybe it's military, maybe it's, I don't know, but my head's on a swivel. I expect the worst. I had an individual ask me this week, are you an optimist or pessimist? And I said, bro, in our world, I'm a pessimist. I don't trust anybody. My head's on a swivel. I don't, like, you may be like, well, that's just being on guard. I get it. I'm on that. But what I've also seen, and sometimes in my heart, is the love of Christ has grown cold. Why? Because of the increase of evil and wickedness. And we have to be on guard. Why? Because we need to show people the love of Jesus in the midst of all these things. Live for Christ. Follow his teachings. Meet together with other believers as the day approaches. That's what he calls us to do. And here's the last thing, that the gospel will be proclaimed. Remember what I said at the start. I believe that the more we study the end times, the more evangelistic a church will become. That when we see things begin to line up and we see what scripture teaches and we begin to see what's going on in the world, that we become more evangelistic. We have more passion for lost people, more passion for Jesus and his gospel, more hope in the gospel, more realization that, that Jesus can change those who have been blinded by Satan. Why? Because Satan wants to do destructive work, whereas God wants to rebuild. The gospel will be proclaimed. Look at verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Can I tell you something? I get to work with ethnic people almost every day of the week. People that God has brought to the United States, and you may or may not like what's going on in our government, and I get it. But I also want you to know that in the midst of what man intended for evil, in my opinion, God intended for good, God has brought the nations to the United States. And you may look at the news and go, oh man, look at them all protesting against our support of Israel. But I also want you to know this, that God can use the brokenness of a country to redeem a people to himself when we understand that he is for all nations and all people, not just the United States, but all nations. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that people from around the world can declare the goodness and the grace. And listen, you got to be very thankful for this because the last I checked, you're not Israeli, I'm not Israeli, and we ought to be thankful that God opened the door for Gentiles to understand and respond to the gospel of salvation just as much as we should say we want to see Arab people, and we want to see Russian people, and we want to see Chinese people, and we want to see Iranian people in the kingdom of God. Why? Because they responded to the gospel. Don't look at yourself and don't look at ourselves as so good because we're in the United States that we miss out on the whole point that Jesus came in the first place, to seek and save that which was lost. And so here's how you respond. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe you sit here and you go, man, I, I'm not sure I really got a hope. When the end times come, when, when the end comes... Make no mistake about it, the Bible is very clear at that point that when the end comes, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But you can rest assured on this, that you can walk through the tormenting times, through the peril of what we see. You can walk with great hope and great expectation. Know that you have been bought, you have been purchased, you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And that you can have hope where many, where many will sit back and say, I have no hope. The end times is a time for many who are going to be misled. But I believe it's the response of the church to take those who may be being led in the wrong direction and to point them to the sign of Jesus and the cross to say that's the way, that's home, that's hope, 
That's peace and that's life. Because apart from Jesus, keep this in mind, apart from Jesus, there is no hope. There is no peace and there is no life. There's only destruction and torment. So today, maybe today you need to make that decision to make it known to everybody else. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I want to place my faith and trust in him. I believe he died on the cross and I believe he rose again. He defeats sin and he offers me life and life more abundantly. And he's coming back again and he will reign supreme. And listen, there is no other God, no Buddha, no Muhammad, no Joseph Smith, none of those. I'll even say none of those will even be in heaven because they have rejected Jesus as Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your perfect timing. We thank you for the fact that 2 Peter tells us that you are patient, not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. We thank you for the fact that Jesus died on the cross for all, knowing that his blood was shed for all mankind. But God, we know that there is a galactic battle. There is a cosmic battle taking place right now. And Satan is blinding the mind of people, filling them with self-help and self-hope, filling them with false ideas about religion, filling them with faulty cults and bad teachings. And we thank you for Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who sits at your right hand and he is patiently waiting for your sign. And when you say go, he's going to come. And we wait that day when that trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and those of us who are still living will be caught up with those who are dead in Christ and we will meet you in heaven, in the air. So God, we pray that as we look at the signs of the times, we would have a proper perspective. We will walk with great hope and great expectation. And God, that may it be ever so that we have a greater passion for evangelism and sharing the gospel with those who are lost. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.